Quite a long face, Horace. I'm just having a little girl trouble. Pressing charges? I get that a lot. He's a conservative guy. This girl loves me. She's an outrageous woman. So what'd you do last night? Got lucky. It's a comedy match made in heaven. She's been around and seen things we've only read about in books. Critics say Chasing Amy's hilarious. Finger cuffs? You're dating finger cuffs? It has all the hallmarks of a classic. You know you have no shot at getting her into bed. From the director of Clerks, Chasing Amy, rated R, now playing. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. Hi there. This is Old Millennials Remember Movies. This is Old Millennials I'm- Remember movies. I never get to say it. You never do. Today we're going to talk about Chasing Amy from Kevin Smith back in 1997. Seven. Mm-hmm. So, yep, that's what we're doing. Interesting thing about that TV spot. Uh, they use the term finger cuffs right in the TV spot. And a lot of other really weird things for a TV spot. <laughs> yep. But I think it was like back in the day. We're going to talk about this. Back in the day. Terms. All the way back to 1997. Terms that, like, uh, people were like, what's finger cuffs? Uh, well, no, I know. I'm just, it's, it, once you know what it is in the movie. Then you're like, you're like oh my God, how is that in the TV spot? That's not appropriate for a TV short trailer spot. Correct. Okay. Before we start talking about Chasing Amy, we are going to talk about what we've been watching recently, mm. like we always do. Yeah. And as usual, Tyler has watched a plethora of old, new, and unusual and uh, what you got for us, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to list them all because I went on a little bit of a, I don't know. I went on a little bit of that when you get on a streaming service like HBO or even Amazon where you, uh, you watch a movie. And it's like, more like this or you might also like. I'm just like, hey, I haven't watched that. Click. And then, you, you know. You're like, yes, I do like this. And then you end up, you know, watching random stuff. So anyway, uh, we both watched Judas and the Black Messiah on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And that is this um, sort of biopic about Fred Hampton, a Chicago leader of the Black Panthers back in the 60s. And uh, it's played by Dana Kalua from Get Out. And it he, the basic story is uh, the FBI has basically coursed this other guy played by Lakeith Stanfield to From Sorry to Bother You and a little bit of Get Out to infiltrate and kind of spy on him and report details back to what he's doing because the FBI was very worried about the Black Panthers. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting story in that regard because it's kind of gives you two protagonists to follow, really. Um, it's not a movie where they are really at odds, necessarily. Mm-mm. They're on kind of different story journey line, journeys, and then there's another kind of thread where Fred Hampton is kind of dating this new younger... Um, she's a poet. What was I going to say? She's like a younger. She's just a new member of the the group. Activist. Act. That's the word I couldn't think of. The word activist isn't that weird. Uh, anyway, so there's like three different story threads going on. So I really liked how there's multiple things going on, and Jesse Plemons is the FBI handler, and so yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was uh, really good. Um, the performance is a particular by Daniel Kaluuya, who's getting Oscar attention. And Lakeith Stanfield, which I think should also be alongside him. I feel like, I don't know, it's it's weird to think that one of them is getting... He's got the showier part, but uh, I don't know. I like them both. I like Lakeith Stanfield character quite a bit to, to watch him kind of go through the struggle. What did you think of it? I really enjoyed the conflict of the the character. Lakeith like, Stanfield's character, yeah. Lakeith. 
Lakeith. Lakeith Stanfield. Stanfield. Yep. Who I loved in Sorry to Bother You. Yep. Um, he's, he's in so, a lot of stuff. He's now. a super good actor, so yeah. he's carrying the heavy load, right? So he's not—he's not playing the big bravado leader guy, right? Yeah, he's got this torn conflict with his situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like the 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 antagonist to him is the situation where he has to like choose between basically jail time or helping the FBI, and at first maybe doesn't feel so bad about it, but then yeah, his, he seems ambivalent to the cause in the first place, yeah. and then kind of. Because he's living in it, and obviously yeah, it's relatable those, to him. Yeah, and then he builds those relationships, and is but is still forced to make really hard choices. Um, I think telling the story that way was more interesting to me than telling it straight, uh, just a straight Fred story. Hampton story. Fred yeah. Hampton story, birth to death, blah blah blah. I really liked the different perspective because it's nice to see people through other people's eyes. Adds urgency. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it gives you a different. Uh, I think Fred Hampton is obviously still kind of the focal point of the story, but it's it's the way that he you see him both through kind of this romance that he's having with this other person mm-hmm. and through the Keith Stanfield's character, you're getting a more nuanced depiction of him. And I I like how the movie is very much. I, I think it it just feels more authentic. There's there's an urgency and an authenticity to it that a biopic wouldn't necessarily have. It's not doesn't necessarily shy away from. This obviously these violent conflicts that ended up happening between the the Panthers and 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 mm-hmm. the police and the FBI and you I feel know. like it does a good job of not being preachy of not being like these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. I think it it lives no. it feels comfortable in the gray where like you kind of get both sides and you can kind of see like well you're being shitty and well that was kind of shitty too. But I mean it does ultimately come down on a certain side. I would I would argue, but. I, it does, but it does. But that has the benefit of history, and it so. doesn't punch you in the face of it the whole time, right? And you know yeah. those movies where it's like, oh, here's the big bad white guy, and, and, and he's played by some slimy guy. You just fucking hate the whole fucking time, and you can't like enjoy the movie. Well, I think that's why using Plemons is actually really smart, because um, yes. he has a very, you know, he just kind of looks like a normal guy. He's usually he's always in these smart. He's actually, I'm really excited. He got uh, cast as. Um, well, really, you and I really liked him, and I'm thinking of anything, which is a lead role. Oh, you know, two-hander, really. But he is now going to be the lead of Scorsese's new movie. It was a part that DiCaprio was going to do, um, but now DiCaprio is playing, like, a villain role in the movie, oh, and it freed mm-hmm. up... It's going to be Plemons. Like, that's going to be exciting to watch He's him an do. interesting actor, and I think he was a yeah. good choice because you don't want someone who's just slimy the whole time. You want someone who's, like, a little bit likable because in the real world, people aren't just total evil villains the whole time. No, you even... I mean, I, and maybe... He's a good actor to choose from because he adds a little bit of um, depth, a little bit in terms of just like I don't think necessarily that the character is written in a way that is that's you know he's not a, kind of a bad dude, yeah. but it's the way that, because Plemons is kind of used to playing a guy who, which I know is funny because a lot of people know Jesse Plemons is playing a really bad dude on Breaking Bad, but yeah. um, in a lot of other things he plays kind of this more affable type of personality, so. To me, that really plays well into what kind of character he's playing. Yeah, I really liked the scene where he's sitting there with uh, uh, Jed Bartlett. Martin Sheen plays um, <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover in a couple of kind of distracting scenes. He's got a lot of makeup on. It, um, it, that he w- yes, that was distracting. I was yeah. like, why is Jed Just, Bartlett? He's old enough. Like he, it's yeah, fine. We don't. Anyway. I don't care that it doesn't look like you know J. Edgar Hoover. But but to Jesse Plemons, there was a good scene where he was like being questioned, like what are well, what would you, what will you do when your daughter, who's like an infant at the time, brings home like a black man, 
And there's just like, I think the director did a good job of, or the editor of like ho- letting that sit for a while. Well, he just and doesn't understand. Him, and like, he's like, what are you asking me? But then you're like, like is he a, actually feeling like that's not a, is he actually feeling like that's not going to be a bad thing? And then he, he plays his racism card and then you're like, ah. well, I, I think for that character, I don't think, I, I think what he says is true. And he tells the Keith Stanfield, like, these guys are no better worse than the, they're no better than the KKK. Mm-hmm. And I think that that character honestly believes that. And yeah. is it, is he racist? Yeah. I mean, he he's is. thinking that because he's a racist, but it, yeah. he's, I don't, you know, it's not, he, his opinion is based on, you know, what they tell him to do, essentially. So, yeah. You know what I mean? It makes it more interesting instead of just like, I'm a big, bad, bad guy. So, but yeah, I mean, I just, I think, as much as I love Daniel Kluwe in everything, and especially in this, he's very good. I just, I don't know how you, I, this is the logic of like awards season. I don't know how you, you, you celebrate him, but not like Keith Stanfield. He's, he's incredible in it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've always really, you know, from Atlanta to, sorry to bother you. And I just, yeah, Keith Stanfield's the bomb, man. Yeah. He's Can't wait to see him in literally anything. Good skill. He's yeah. got a lot of good So skills. does Kaluuya, though. I watch him in anything, too. I think Kaluuya's coming back to be the lead of Jordan Peele's new movie, too. All I can tell you about that is that I saw, not about that, but about him, is that I saw a clickbait today that was like, oh, he wasn't invited to the premiere of Get Out. Even Ooh. though he's the lead actor. Daniel Kaluuya? Yeah. I didn't click on it, so I can't tell you any more than clickbait titles. Was he out of the country? He's British. I have British. no idea. I wanted to click it, and then I was like, no, I don't have time for this. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Okay. Sounds like clickbait. So, highly recommend Judas and the Black Messiah on HBO Max. Yeah, it's in theaters, too, if you want to go do that, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's a good time. Um, you also watched a movie called Funny Girl. Oh, yeah, so that was one of my uh, down-the-rabbit-holes. I watched uh, Funny Girl, because I saw a clip of it. I was watching that, uh, see, like, it was like the, it's on HBO Max. It was like CNN's The Movies miniseries that they made last year. And it's like eight hours of them going through the decades. And, like, is it, it... The show itself is just like it's movies one oh one. Like it's not anything that would be revelatory, but they bring in like all these pretty heavy hitters to kind of make these comments and stuff. So it's kind of entertaining even though it's like not particularly revelatory. But anyway, there's like a clip of Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand. I was like, I've never seen that movie. And uh so then I was like, What's you know, like I did that with a few movies on there mm-hmm. and I was just like, Well, what's on this what's on this? And then I yeah. oh it's oh it's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Well I'm gonna just go watch this. Well, that was the other one. I forgot to put that on this list. There's two of them I did that with. One of them is um, Funny Girl, and it's uh, I don't I don't think I ever really cared for Barbara Streisand. Like I just she's I, it's not like I disliked her. I just like whatever. Well, if you haven't seen her in anything, you just know that she can sing. Then you know there's not a lot of context. Oh yeah, there. no, she's great in this movie. <laughs> like, and it was like her film debut. She did the play first, but yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's admittedly like the first hour and a half is like way better than like the last the second act or whatever oh, okay. but um yeah it's pretty good i was glad i watched it it's happy that i have that appreciation for barbara streisand now you okay uh-huh and then the other one i watched was uh so then it started off with like the great dictator which is charlie chaplin's like his i mean he did other movies without sound but this was one that he did with sound and it's like 1940 and that was on hbo max because mm-hmm. they've got a little occasion they have a little selection of like big big time criterion titles they don't have like some of the obscure stuff but they got like the you know you can watch this and Kane on there yeah gotcha. um anyway i'd never seen that and it what was remarkable to me it's you know it's pretty it's pretty great for like a 1940s comedy but i was just like what blew my mind i mean he's playing a guy who he's it's a satire of hitler 
and he he's playing he's basically playing he plays two parts but he's playing like Hitler mm-hmm. and I just find I, it blows my mind that someone would just like go for it in 1940 like troll the fuck out of Eyeball Hitler in 1940 and now I think you know a lot of people like this happens still like when Jojo Rabbit came out last year people don't like comedies about this because of you know the all the terrible things that happen right the Holocaust. Right. The Holocaust. And then I, what I did read was that Charlie Kaufman, like, when they... Charlie, Charlie Kaufman, Kaufman. Charlie Chaplin. There you go. Um, that'd be interesting. Charlie Kaufman. Anyway, Charlie Chaplin. He, you know, he made this movie in 1940, but then later in life said, like, well, had I known what was actually going on with the actual Holocaust part of this, I probably wouldn't have made this movie, because it's pretty... I mean, that's pretty hard to, like, make fun of, because it's very trivial. But what I felt, I thought was... Uh, it has this big speech at the end where he almost breaks. He plays a different character, but it, it's like a big one eighty, and it's this big diatribe essentially of like what the world and what um, leadership should be, which I thought was pretty bold for then. Uh, Roger Ebert, which what would Roger say mm-hmm. when he wrote his great movies um, four star review of it back in like two thousand five? He still griped about this ending, and a lot mm. of people do because it's like it it blows it's the satire. I don't know. To me, I was like. This is a fucking swing. I love, as you know, I just love big fucking swings, even if it was in 1940 in Charlie Chaplin. But I'm just like, he was just like, I want to make this movie and I don't give a shit. And I just mm-hmm. love that attitude. And I don't know. It was a big hit back then, but it just blows my mind that we, it, it's like, you know, it, the equivalent is like Borat. I mean, you know, I mean, it, you know, maybe that's not a good comparison, but, you know, in terms of just like being yeah. able to poke the bear and just being like, yeah, fuck, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to hide what I, who I am or what I, I mean, think. the difference being, like, there's no internet. Well, right. No, <laughs> I know. Like they, there's no, like, jets to get you to places to kill people. Easily. So on the opposite side of that, I go back over to Amazon. Oh, my God. And I watch, oh, because I was trying to get tickets, like a, a digital screening to the Mauritanian, which has got Jodie Foster in it. And, you know, they're like, oh, two-time Oscar-winning actress, Jodie Foster. And I'm just like, one, two, one, two. I was like, she's won twice? And I was like, what was she winning twice for? Not Nell. Why are you talking so quiet? Well, this is, I'm trying to imitate my brain. Oh, no, no one's going to hear what you oh, just said. Um, well, I was thinking, like, she went for Nell, like, after The Silence of the Lambs? I was like, I don't that. like Nell. No, she did not win for Nell. She was nominated for Nell, a movie that I don't care for. Um, at least when I saw maybe we should do it for this show. Um... No, she won for the acute. And then I thought, oh, she won for Taxi Driver when she was like 14. Nope, she didn't. So then I was listening to her do like the Mark Marin podcast or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, name drop for that really popular podcast. Um, but then she was talking about star movies, and then, yeah, sure enough, I was like, oh, yeah, no, she won her first Oscar for The Accused. And I was like, I've never seen The Accused. Is that a John Grisham novel? No, it is not. But she plays a woman who is uh, assaulted and raped. Oh, fun. Um, and they don't show it right away or anything, but then, like, she comes into, the, like, the, the police station. And so it's a it's a court uh, courtroom drama, essentially, mm-hmm. with kind of two so different... you knew it was, um, like, a John Grisham novel. But what's it, it, the first part is kind of about thing, but like they settle out of court for the actual people that like, attacked her. But then they like the interesting part about it is like her and this attorney try to like sue for the people who are watching in the bar and who didn't intervene. And so it's kind of about can you go after someone like that? And yeah, man, it's really good. Uh, it's a really good. Uh, you know, it's not like a. I would. He, it's very eighties. It kind of feels like some of like the production value of it feels a little dated, but. She's incredible in it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I tell you what, man, it's like, it's like, it was 1988, and I'm just like, same fucking, nothing fucking changes sometimes. Yeah, the progress <laughs> is like two steps forward, three steps back. I was, I was, I was shocked at how relevant it still was. This, 30 plus years 30 ago. 30 years ago, yeah. And I was just like, wow, alright. Cool. And so that was, uh, surprising. Um, so I watched The Accused, but it was good, I mean, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. It's not like an easy movie to watch, I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> rush right out to it. Maybe it's a good like one two with a promising young woman. That's I think, and that was probably my interest in maybe watching it because we did recently watch Promising Young Woman, obviously, and so that very much uh, is in line with mm-hmm. that uh, that topic. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, what more? You want I mean, more? Taylor, we you've watched so much. I feel like you could fill so much time. Um, you you watched a movie that I wanted to watch I didn't because Netflix. You to watch it. Well, I didn't know I did either, but Netflix told me I wanted to watch it, so I watched the Netflix trailer, and then I was like, "Ooh, I like her, and I like him, and I like her." I yeah, watch that. It's called I Care a Lot. Mm-hmm. It was their newer movie from this week, and it has Rosamund Pike, who people mostly know from like playing Amazing Amy and Gone Girl, and uh, the great Peter Dinklage, who you are now watching actively in Game of Thrones, but you and I've. Pretty much love anytime Peter. I doesn't doesn't everybody feel that way? Anytime Peter Dinklage shows up in anything, it's like, yeah, I love Peter. Yeah, Dinklage. he's never fucked anything up. No, he's, he's always good, yeah, right? Solid. So anyway, Rosamund Pike plays this like vicious like uh, shark. She plays this person who you know she is like a oh, a court appointed like ward for senior citizens. So she worms in. She kind of has like. Uh, doctors and um, assisted living places on on the take and they're like giving her names and then they're basically like saying like oh this old lady can't uh, take her meds and she can't live alone we're gonna put her in the home and I'll become the ward and I get to decide what happens no, with she doesn't you. become the ward she becomes their like legal guardian legal guardian right yeah a ward would be like a ward of the state that's probably what the well, old people become they the call wards. her that sometimes though because it's like she is representing like their the state appoints her like the state is telling them like you get to handle their assets essentially. So what she does is and she's got like a giant office. She like, sells her house, pro- you know, skims off the top, profits a bunch of money from like sticking them in a home. It doesn't let them hear anything, right? So she's playing an awful person, mm-hmm. but um, she's doing that Rosamund uh, Pike Gone Girl thing where it's just like, gosh, she's evil, but like she's pretty good at playing evil. She's yeah. like, it's kind of entertaining how evil she is, and yeah. so. It's got that going for it, right? Well, then, so they get Diane Weist. They think that this lonely lady is uh, an easy target. Turns out, not an Diane easy Weist uh, has a connection to the a mafia guy played by uh, Peter Dinklage, and man, who he's mad. So then, basically, it's a movie where these two uh, really bad people are like doing terrible things to each other, <laughs> and it really escalates. Um, uh, it, the first hour, I think, is better than the second hour, honestly. Okay. I like Peter Dinklage, but, like, it never really fits in with... It doesn't... Re- he, it just feels so weird. And he, he's this mobster who's got, like... Uh, he, he, he hire, he's got goons that are about as intelligent as Bebop and Rocksteady. Oh, no. They just don't ever get anything right, and it's just like, come on. Like, how, this movie's only continuing because these goons are the stupidest are goons on the planet. All, all over the place. So, you know, I think, and I think the ending kind of sucks, but, um, you know, it's entertaining. I, it, it's too, if, if you're into movies where, like, there's literally no good people. Like, Diane Weist is probably the most sympathetic character, but even her, you get a sense that she's probably, like, uh, stab some people. I don't know. Yeah, stab <laughs> some people. Stab some people. Yeah, but I mean, it's entertaining. It, yeah, that, yeah. Anyway. Okay. And then, uh, oh, I watched uh, 
Motherless Brooklyn, mm-hmm. Edward Norton. Uh, this was from a 2019, and it was like two and a half hours, and I was like, ah, I gotta watch that movie. And there, it kind of came and went, it kind of bombed, but um, I remember my dad was really into it. Oh, he was? Yeah, he really, well, he saw it in like, the theater, and he was like, you should watch this movie, Motherless Brooklyn, where Edward Norton has Tourette's, and he's a t- detective gumshoe. I'm just like, I don't know, that seems like no, I don't want to watch that. That sounds extra. <laughs> Is he extra? Because that sounds... No, and I, you know, I... To Ed Norton, he directed it and wrote it. He wrote it from a, based it on, from a book. But, um, to his credit, it's not a, like, he plays that part of it pretty well. Like, it's pretty, it's not like what you, it's not played for laughs or played, it's just kind of this thing that is a, a problem for the character to try to get this solved or whatever. And the other thing was, is like, I guess he, it's based on a book that was set in a modern time, but he wouldn't put it back into the 50s. So it's got more of this, like, 50s gumshoe private detective kind of vibe to it. Okay. Um, it's too long by about 30 minutes, oh. but I don't know. It's pretty entertaining. I, I, I was surprised at how enjoyable were, it was. Were you reminded that Edward Norton is a good actor? I have always liked Edward Norton. I think that, you know, he's a little bit, he's extra. a note, he's a noted intense he's actor. Extra. You know, I, I would sense that he's probably not the most fun guy to make a movie with maybe, but I don't know. Cause he's intense. Cause he's intense, right? But I You're don't know. intense. I guess. Yeah. No, I'm not an actor though, so. Thank God. Yeah, I don't think I do. But, you know, it's a good dad movie, I would say, which oh, makes okay. sense. Like, I was like, of course my dad liked this. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I was like, yeah. but I, you know, as a dad, I was like, yeah, it, it scratched my head. It's like, the, it's like as good as News of the World or Greyhound. If it had Tom Hanks, then it'd be, you know, okay. even better, right? Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'll say I watched was I finally turned on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion. And Finally? Have you been waiting? No, I was eager to watch it. I just keep forgetting to turn it on. Because as oh. you know, I'm a noted Fresh Prince of Bel-Air super fan. What? I'm shocked. It's this great. news to me. It's a great show. Um, it's all on the HBO Max if you want to watch it. But I've got DVDs, so just in case. Just in case they take it away or we get rid of it, right? Um, yeah, it's like the best work Will Smith's done in like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Was that? What's that about? I don't know. Okay, well, he was in his lane. It's not like a, they're just, it's the casting together and talking. It's not like they're acting anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the notable part, and this is not new to anybody who's watched it, is that he brought, there was an Aunt Viv in the first couple seasons. She got fuck canned. And it, the story goes is that Will Smith had a lot to do with that. Ooh, and then they brought why? in a new Aunt Viv. And then they haven't talked in 30 years. And then during this reunion, those two sit down for a little while. Old and, Viv and New Viv? Or? No, Old Viv and New Viv never met. They actually met during this and they don't have any animosity toward each other. Um, cause it's just a different person that got hired, right? No, Will Smith and, um, Old Viv. I can't remember her name, but because she was shunned out of Hollywood, apparently. Jesus. Um, but anyway, and she, I mean, there's no holding back. She pretty late lays it out of like, I, you know, I think you fucking ruined my career. Well, you know, like, and it, she said it's that intent- in the reunion. It's intent. Like they have their own little segment, right? Okay. Just two of them. Yeah. And then she gotcha. kind of came on later, but conveniently Alfonso Ribeiro was not part of that. He claims he had to go do some work, but I think he still has a, I'm stirring this pot. Somewhere. He's a real fucking culprit. Huh? Yeah. No, I don't know. Um, but anyway, Oh man, it was intense. And then of course, like the Uncle Phil part where they're doing tributes of Uncle Phil. So there's just waterworks because you're missing him because he died yeah. a few years ago. I don't know, man. It was an emotional roller coaster watching this reunion special. Did Will Smith talk about how Scientology made him don't, ruin that lady's career? You, he's not a Scientologist. 
Please don't bring up Scientologists on this podcast. We will get letters from them. I'm neither pro nor against. I'm no. just asking a well, question. Well, don't say you that. You'll get it. other letters now. But please, we don't talk about it because I have experience with this. They will harass What's you. What's your experience? I'm like, I can't talk about it. I'll tell you off mic. <laughs> this is not your experience. Oh, wait, you do have I know. That's what I I'm saying. I just forgot about that. I know I do. Oh, I'm going to have to edit that part out. Probably I'm not will. going to. Oh, God. I'm gonna, this is going to be bad. Okay. That's it. What an emotional roller coaster watching that reunion special, though. It's it's joyful. There's like this tension. There's like tears. Spoiler alert: they do they do reconcile. Yeah, I need more. Did he take responsibility? Yeah, I mean, he admit he was wrong. That's what I'm saying. It's some of his best work. No, I think it's the best work he's done. I mean, he he does this reunion. I think he does seem sympathetic, and he—I mean—and you get two sides well, yeah, of it, and you hear when you're a millionaire, it's pretty easy to be sympathetic and nice. I, I think, and I think he what he said was like, I, I I was 21 years old, and I probably had no idea that I was even doing terrible things, but I can recognize that I was. You know, like I think that was one thing he kind of said was like, I don't, I don't think I was being that way, but then like obviously when you look back on it, I was like, oh yeah, I was like a real hot shit, you know, like saying this and saying that, and then not really taking into account what was going on with you because she had some other things that were going on. That were kind of contributing to her Aww. being a little bit distant from the rest of the cast. And, uh, yeah, anyway. Well, that sounds awkward. It's very interesting. And awkward. Yeah. But what it lands on is mm-hmm. that this is one of the greatest shows ever. And I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and Will Smith said that it's like his best, best thing he's ever had in his career. And I also agree. And I'm yeah. kind of a guy who likes Will Smith in a lot of things. But never been better than the fresh prince of bel-air yeah i think a lot of people would agree with that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i haven't been watching movies like you mm-hmm. i've been busy with the uh, schooling and work and watching shows and watching some shows watching shows if we put pound if we line up our hours i bet you you're close do you think that when you more. watch movies you're giving your like full attention uh some I don't. When I re, I, there's some movies I didn't even talk about that I rewatched. I didn't give those like full attention. But newer okay. things I do, things that I haven't seen. I it depends. It always depends. Okay. Well, I ba- I blame my uh, previous uh, boss for my recent uh, show watching. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to her, and uh, why talk about work when you can talk about shows you've been watching? Mm-hmm. And so she recommended because um, I told her that I'm like into like supernatural and magic stuff and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All the listeners know. Um, so she recommended Raised by Wolves on HBO. Mm-hmm. And then she also mentioned that she had just watched um, Fate, the Winx Saga. Winx Club. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I know about Winx Club. I don't know about Winx, uh, whatever you just said. Saga. But Winx Club was an animated series that aired after the 2003 era Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I was obviously a big fan of. Mm-hmm. And it was always a wink on the, it was the Fox box and then it was for kids entertainment. And evidently they both ended up selling to Nickelodeon later. So I don't, what? I've never seen an episode of, oh, I was going to ask you like, did you ever watch any of it? Cause I've never, I didn't No, I, there was, there was a lot of other like anime style type things and it wasn't my thing. So okay. I, and I, I, I mean, I was that nerd that like, because it started when we were in college. Right. Yeah. I mean, I taped that shit cause sometimes I didn't, uh, yeah, you know, I couldn't watch it. I had class, or I don't even remember. Yeah, streaming wasn't a fucking thing no, in 2003. No, it was the way you had to watch it. They weren't going to put it online. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Fate the Winx Saga is a six-episode um, series that 
if you're into supernatural shows, Netflix has told you you should watch, and you've watched it because it's a Netflix original. But it's new this year, right? It's new this year. It came out in January. Okay. And in February, it was renewed for a second season. And it's about basically what? You made I'm case. just saying, like, why hasn't I? Have, why haven't I heard a renewal for a Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous yet? Agreed. I'll agree <laughs> with you on that point. Um, now I forgot what I was Sorry. talking about. <laughs> I got distracted by that. Like, how did they get renewed already? I haven't oh. heard an official renewal for Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. I was going to share what the, what the show is about. It's just basically like Harry Potter, but with fairies. Mm-hmm. And the fairies, Not for kids, either. It is... No, it's rated uh, MA, and it's got some swearing and some violence, but, you know... Uh, Teenagers and about... I'd say, above. like, 14 and oh, above. Okay. It would be fine. There's no, like... It's not like Game of Thrones, which I also started. Finally, after it's... Everyone in the world has watched it, I... I think I watched all of season one and yeah, maybe really? part of season two, but now I've rewatched it. Oh, yeah. I've but only anyway, ever watched like two episodes. Anyway, this fairy club, you know, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's, it's teeny bopper. Um, I think some of the writers are like from like vampire diaries and it's very much got that like high school teenage feel, but yeah. it's kind of like Harry Potter for adults. Cause they're like, Teenagers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Harry Potter for adults. You know what that is? It's Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. I know, but you know, easy does it. You know, with just like not a- Fantastic Beasts, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, it's fine. It's not like anything. What I was going to tell you mm. before we talked, I said I have something to share. Was that after I finished it, you know, you f- you binge a series and then you just kind of want a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you're looking to see if it's renewed. You're looking to see what where you it's watched from. You watched that old Winx Club TV cartoon. I did not, but after after it, uh, Netflix was like, hey, you should watch this uh, David Spade hosted Netflix after party thing. I saw that on party. the. I saw that on the. I didn't click on it, but I saw it on the you know menu. Yeah. I watched it with David because he's been doing that lately. That's it's like a show he has. Well, he has a show on Comedy Central, but I, because maybe their COVID shutdown, he also does these like after show things with Netflix shows. Yeah, all Netflix. Yeah, he had the main star on, like she was there, and then they zoomed with some of the others. Um, I don't know. It's so weird to watch David Spade like host anything. I don't he's know. He's been, and he has this, he, I'm telling you, like, he's the only thing that's survived, I don't know if it's on right after The Daily Show, but it's like one of the, like, you know how many shows have come and gone after Colbert and Stewart kind of, you know, once Colbert yeah. left after that time slot, there's been so many shows that have rotated through yeah. after The Daily Show, but that one is the one that's been, st- that one's been on for a couple years now, like, it's hung around. It's weird because, like, okay, so he's like, he's like, sh- it's just weird because he's, like, talking about the show, which is about teenage fairies. Yeah, it is weird. And so he's like, well, you know, I really liked your power and tell, you know, so he's a- trying to ask good questions. It was fucking almost bizarre, but I I watched I watched about half of it. It could be a situation where they're like, well, we've got David Spade signed for, like, it a two-year also, contract. Has, well, come on down. Yeah, I had two other women, and I'm I'm forgetting who they are. One was uh, Carol from the night uh, that... Seth Rogen movie, Carol the Driver. What's that? Actress oh, I know name? her. Um, She's funny. And then it, yeah. there was someone else on there. I can't remember her name. Anyway, that was weird though. <laughs> that was my share. Yeah. Um, the other thing I watched was Raised by Wolves, also on HBO Max. And if you were into like, Wait, didn't you just say that one? What? Didn't you just talk about this? Raised by Wolves? Yeah, I don't know. I mentioned it. I'm going through a vortex. Jesus, are you like deja vuing? <laughs> Maybe. Glitch in the Matrix? Yeah. Anyway, That's a movie I haven't watched yet. It's a show on HBO Max. Maybe I talked, did I talk about 
during Groundhog's Day? No, because I, I just finished watching it. I don't know. Um, I told you about it. That's probably why, because we talked. I know about you were it. just because you, you mentioned it just a few minutes ago before you started talking about Wings Club or something. Yes. So. Anyway, it is worth watching. You could skip the Wings Club, but if you have HBO Max and you're into like, has that been renewed? Yes. Okay. Yes. Raised by Wolves has been renewed. Yes. And it's about like AI and traveling to a new planet. Wolves. And it's very much like almost like apocalyptic kind of look to it. So if you're into like end of the world, even though this is like the beginning of a new world. um, I struggle when there's not like a, the the title, it's not like there's no wolves in it. I mean, okay. So when she said. Like that Kevin Spacey movie called Swimming with Sharks. There's no sharks. Just Kevin Spacey being a creep. I know. So when I this was recommended, I was like, oh, Raised by Wolves is probably like got some like werewolves or something. I'm into that shit. And then I didn't read about it. I just started and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Where are the werewolves? Where are the wolves? Well, you just assume a sci-fi show with wolves in the title because of where we've had several like werewolf shows now. You just kind of assume it would all it would be about wolves. Yeah, but but it's not. So don't be expecting that. Yeah. Okay. Um, And like I said, I, I did start Game of Thrones. So, um. It's funny because Game of Thrones now is like everybody's mad at it still for because of the last season. Shut up! Don't spoil it for me. Well, I people don't know. hate the last season. Is what they was the big deal again? Stop spoiling it for me. Right, but yes, we've I, been having I, an I, issue where okay, this is what's <laughs> this is what's blowing my mind because I've not seen any Game of Thrones except for like one or two episodes. It's not like my thing, um, but like I'm aware it's been on for ten years or you know in eight Since years. 2011. I'm very aware of its pop culture imprint. And I'm very aware of like certain things. Because you and you are and you get and I I just don't understand. I'm like oh yeah, is, oh Momoa like you were like, like oh, oh I said is all oh, Momoa still on the show and you're like what do you mean still on it? I was like well yeah he's only he's like you know he did it for no, a season. You said he's only in the first season. I was like god damn it Tyler stop. How do you not know like how do we not know that he just was on one season? Why would I people know, know that? that? And then I was like no people don't know that. So then I said. uh I'm not going to continue, but I today I, you were watching season two. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, you got any weddings or anything yet? And you're like, shut up, shut the fuck up. I was like, and I didn't even, I didn't even say, shut like, up. Okay, I'm not going to do it. You're like, I don't know how someone who hasn't watched a show can spoil it for someone else. <laughs> and then you're like, who the fuck are you? I was you? like, ah, there's no dragons in that show. I was like, oh, there's a little ones. Like, don't have to wait several years before those ever grow up. <laughs> I mean, they are quite small, so that's less of a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Now, now also, I'm, apparently, you're going to be disappointed in the last I'm going to be disappointed, and I recall some rumblings about the ending, but because I wasn't watching, I didn't store it in my memory. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I do have memories of you saying, like, oh, I'll tell you who the Game of, who the game of Thrones is. I could tell you who the Game of Thrones is. Oh, okay, what I want to hear right now, though, in season whatever you're in, I want to know your prediction of who you think is the Game of Thrones at the end. Or wins the Game it's of the Thrones. It's the Snow guy. Which guy? Jon Snow. Kit Harrington. I don't know actors' names. Shut okay. up, don't spoil it for okay. me. Okay, that, that's a good guess. It's a great guess. He's the <laughs> bastard of the king who was just murdered in the first season. And he's he's just a great guy. Now, I like the show because it murders people left and right. And it's like, as soon as you get attached to someone, they're like, dead. Yeah, that's true. And I know that was a thing people talked about. Like, did you not know about the Sean Bean thing before it happened? Who's Sean Bean? <laughs> oh, Lord of the Rings guy? Yeah. Yeah. You, did you know about that before it happened? I mean... I did not. How, what? What world are you in? <laughs> like, you could not know that. That was 2011 when that happened. Why I would I pay attention to that when I wasn't watching I've not it? seen past the second episode, but I'm pretty sure that I've seen that guy's head rolling on the ground Mm-mm. like 50 times in my life. Mm-mm. And I haven't. I don't watch the show. Mm-mm. And as far as, like, the books go, 
I, you bought me the books for Christmas You're not back in the, the day. Books. Yeah. And, and it's like you have to learn a whole fucking language. And whatever his name is that wrote the books, who's fucking J.R.R. Tolkien. No! What? J.R.R. Tolkien did not. <laughs> George R.R. Martin. It's a bunch of R's. I don't know. George Martin. George L. Martin? George R.R. Martin? Oh, my Am I God. adding R's in there? I don't like his writing. I mean, I, I attempted it. You're gonna... So, not only have you brought up Scientology, now you're bringing up... Although, maybe people are... It's okay to criticize no, him now. No, anyone who's read the books, like... They you, love him. Careful. Do they? Yeah. Or do they love, like, the story? I remember story? the AV Club, when they were doing reviews of the series, they'd have two full-on reviews. One was for, like, newbies who weren't aware of, like, the books. For me. And then there was a whole other review article about people who are well-versed in the whole goddamn thing. I feel like it takes a call. Like, you, like to read those books, you need a certificate at the end that I says, think that's why I they did read that. these books. Because they are dense And then you're not even fuck. done. Like, the, didn't the show go past the books? I don't know. You were the expert on Game of Thrones, not me. Watch the show. Okay. Well, what's that brings his, us what's up to... What's his face becomes king? I just wanted to know. So, you know, I'm going to be talking about Game of Thrones for several episodes. Or Are you? You know, at this rate, you know, one. Because it takes... I'm to have your that. finger on the pop culture pulse over there. You know what? <laughs> There's something to be said in this binge culture that we're in to wait until a show is done so that you I don't, don't like, have to I, wait. Yeah, I mean, I kind of disagree. I think like a show like that, especially since we're watching WandaVision and I just really, what I really like about WandaVision is like it's one a week and I can have a week between. Same with Mandalorian a little bit. I kind of like having that week in between. I like it's that more enjoyable. when you're sharing the experience with someone and yeah. then you can like talk about it and look forward to it together. When you're watching on your own once a week, that's fucking just like boring. Although I did, I have thought That's what Twitter's for. You go in there and be like, okay, hey, Twitter, what's going on? What'd you get to think of WandaVision? And then people are like, WandaVision. I mean, yeah, there's the virtual culture, I guess. So lots of people do. They just go on Twitter. That's true. Or whatever. But even, like, people I work with are trying to save two or three up at a time. Well, that's because WandaVision is, like, 30 minutes or whatever, and it's just like, ah, just once it gets going, you're like, ah, damn, all right. Just leaves you wanting. And then it's always like, oh, 37 minutes this week, but then it's just like, you always forget that, like, the last five minutes are, like... Seven minutes of credits. It's the other languages, like, all the other languages' credits, too. It's like, oh, this was the cast in uh, Portuguese, this was the cast in, you know, so it goes a Okay, well, 38 minutes into what we've been watching, it's probably time to transition into the part of the podcast that the namesake, you know, tells you that we're going to do. We talked about The Accused, which was 1988, so... And also, we're old millennials, and I'm remembering movies, except I never talk about movies. I only talk about TV shows. Should we change the name or add a hyphen? Tyler (laughs) talks about movies, and Angela talks about teeny bopper supernatural shows. Seems long. That sounds like a long. It's already long out. enough. Our title's already long enough. I know, especially when millennials can't spell millennial. Fuck, I know. That's we really a problem. we didn't uh, we didn't play we didn't plan this right. Sure didn't. All right, uh, chasing Amy. We're gonna travel back to 1997. Okay, let's do it. Let's kick it off. We're not doing that movie. We're not doing Wayne's World. Yeah. Okay. All right, chasing Amy came out April 18th, 1997. Is that its theatrical release? Or was that like a it's festival? I don't fucking know. Okay, I'm just, it just I'm reading it off of the thing. All right, all right. Why do you always do that? I just was asking. I don't okay, know. it's rated R. Yep. It clocks in at an hour and 53 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it could be cut down to an hour and a half. All right. That's an opinion. All right. You disagree? No. Okay. <laughs> Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. 
It's uh, written. I, I wouldn't say length is my issue. There's no that, that would not be that would not be a topic. To, but I mean, sometimes length can can make you get tighter with your your stuff. <laughs> that is my okay film criticism of the Keep day. Keep going. That's fine. Okay, yeah. is written and directed by Kevin Smith. Yep. Uh, it stars Ben Affleck mm-hmm. and Jason Lee mm-hmm. and Casey Affleck. No, How about Joey star. Lord Adams would be the second build? You know what? He, first build only on IMDb list. Oh, well, it's Ethan, probably listed in order of Ethan Supley. Oh, it's the, that's the order of appearance. Why does it say first build only? I don't, because they're, yeah, it, it's still in order of appearance. Because Ethan Supley is the guy at the conventions. Casey Affleck's the guy. It's the first scene. That's why you're getting all those names. That's, that's why you look at Wikipedia, baby. You know what? Joey Lauren Adams is the second lead, obviously. All right. What's your guess on what the budget was for this? Um, it's not much. He, it's, I, I want to say it's even less than Mallrats. Is it like four million? Way less than that. Okay. Even less, huh? Two million? I don't even believe this. What? $250,000. I mean, it's low budget. Yeah. That is like nothing. He got some money for doing Mallrats and that didn't go well. So then he, you know, went a lot smaller for Reeled this it one. back and then yeah. it grossed 12 million. Yeah. But then, you know. I think he would be the first person to tell you it sold like gangbusters on DVD. <laughs> You're such a nerd. <laughs> Why did you say that like that? I don't know. Who are you? <laughs> um, what else can I tell you? Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, it's the third film by Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. We have talked on this podcast, not as an official episode, but when I went to the double... Uh, feature of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and the new one, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. We talked about Jay and Silent Bob a little bit longer than usual, so even, yeah. I think it's even listed in the title uh, of the show. Um, which you ended up watching Jay and Silent Bob Reboot later, and like on Amazon Prime or whatever, and you and I were both not enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I purged that shit from my memory. So yeah, uh, we haven't done like a full-on Kevin Smith movie. This is uh, an interesting one to do. <laughs> I like how your voice got really high there. All I'm thinking about right now is Wayne's World. Oh, well, so you gotta help me focus. Up I here. think it's important to set the. Well, okay, let's do what we remember, and then oh I yeah, can that's set the, the thing we do. Yeah. So uh, the what do you remember? What 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 you remember? Mm-hmm. It's a segment where we talk about what we remember, where we write down before we rewatch it, and. Uh, Tyler cheats and just writes down what's in fucking Wikipedia. That's not what I do. That's what you do. That is absolutely what you do. <laughs> I did that the other day when I was getting... No, that was this one, wasn't it? You're yeah. You're like, what'd you write? And I just you started, started reading the... And you're like, holy shit, that's really good. I remembered a lot of that movie. <laughs> okay. Here's what I actually remember. Chasing Amy. I don't remember this movie. Mm-hmm. How many of mine start with that? Almost all of them. Okay. It's been like 18 years since Tyler made me watch it. I know Affleck is in it, and he's pursuing a woman who's into women. I kind of vaguely remember there being something about this movie that I really didn't like. But who knows? Tyler was a big Kevin Smith fan back in the day, but these days, not so much. We'll see if rewatching this movie brings back any memories. All right. So, kind of related. I said, back in high school for me, Affleck wasn't just the bomb in Phantoms. He was the bomb in Chasing Amy, as well as his other collaborations with Kevin Smith. This was Kevin Smith's quote-unquote serious movie, the one that would bring lead him to the next step after Mallrats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember loving the arc Affleck's character uh, goes on back in the day and thought it was insightful about relationships. Is it still? 
Or has it been horribly dated by its admittedly problematic dude dates a lesbian premise? Kevin Smith sure loves the character, as does Affleck, who had returned to the character briefly briefly in both Giant Silent Bob movies. I haven't watched this thing in at least 15 years. Why? I feel like I've watched Dogma and Giant Silent Bob Strike Back multiple times since then. Mm-hmm. So, so we yeah. got a lot to unpack, a lot of eggshells to carefully walk over. So I, this is the part I wanted to lead with, is that it's important to remember that this movie was uh, significantly successful critically. Mm-hmm. Like, it was... After Clerks, people loved Clerks when he made that, and you know he made it on his own dime or whatever. It was a Sundance sensation, right? He makes Small Rats. It's goofy. It's dumb. It doesn't work. People don't like it. All of a sudden, people don't. They really soured on him a little bit. So then he comes back and makes this, mm-hmm. and he gets the critics back. Essentially, it's this insightful thing about relationships. It's small budget, slightly it's edgy. edgy. It's got a whole different angle. It took it had independent spirit award nominations. Um, the screenplay did well. So. It's important, and I think um, people, I think like me, would if they go back and they think about the Kevin Smith canon, they think like, oh yeah, Chasing Amy is one of his better movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's just one of the the good ones, essentially. Um, yeah, so I think it's important to to stipulate that this was well received mm-hmm. in the mid to late ish nineties, late nineties. Yep. I don't know if this movie works at all in 2021. <laughs> I don't. I just. I don't know. It's tough. Here's a memory that um, has come back to me that mm-hmm. you'll have to remind me if you remember. So, jumping forward to like the climax of the movie. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> um, right. So we got the premise right. Ben Affleck is pursuing a, a fellow comic book They're both, artist. He and Jason Lee live together. They're comic book artists. They do a Blunt Land and Chronic, which is the J.M. Bob People's comic. He meets uh, this other artist who's played by Joey Lauren Adams. He starts to woo her. They have chemistry, but then he discovers that she is a self-proclaimed lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, he continues to pursue that relationship in which they do then become entangled in a relationship and then now you want to talk to about we just jump right to the ending apparently yeah because you not? want to talk about it okay that's fine no that's okay there's well, a lot to there's a lot of different I don't want to go through the plot but there's a lot of different strands to there, talk about there are so I remember um, you telling me I mean we were eighteen when we first met right mm-hmm. just young teenagers in love and I remember you telling me that you really really love this movie and I have memories and maybe you do too of getting to that point in our relationship where we were talking about our past and people we've dated and you know I was your first like serious girlfriend but you were not my first serious boyfriend right yeah and I think that any relationship where there's like sexual history or past history that doesn't totally match up can cause tension and conflict and I think that having that in this movie is a relatable thing that a lot of people can relate to yeah and I remember you being like we have to watch this movie. It's a really good movie. And I feel like you watching that movie made you like a better person mm. when it came to dealing with it. I think okay. you still had to like deal with it and you still weren't like like excited about yeah, it okay. and you had problems. But I remember that being like, you wanted me to watch that movie and then I remember us talking about okay. it. Okay, yeah. No, so this is perfect because... This well, this so yeah. I I don't know if this movie works in 2021. Yeah. However, I do think that it it does have a a good message. Yeah. It it ultimately lands somewhere that does that is like a good message. Yeah. It gets there. 
It's how it gets there that's the problem. Do you remember this though with <laughs> yeah, us? Yeah, I do. And I, well, and I, I, my memory of it is, is precisely that. I feel like, um, it is very relatable and I think it is, um, important to take the message that he's kind of trying to, but I mean, here's the thing. It's kind of clunky because he, he, it's so clunky. he sets the whole thing up through his own dialogue as Silent Bob, where he does this whole speech about quote unquote chasing Amy. And it just is, it's the theme of the movie in a speech, right? Mm-hmm. And is it a good speech? Yeah. Is it insightful? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a speech in the middle of the movie and then it, and then it yep. kind of repeats that. Well, it goes in a different direction, but, um, but yeah, no, I think that uh, for someone who is young, and this is why I think a lot of people like the Kevin Smith canon, at least the first four, you know, five of his movies, maybe even just the first three, um, there are some, like, adolescent growth that happens in those movies. And it's yeah. a touching on a topic that I think is um, relevant to people who have only one worldview, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Kevin Smith has always been very good about, like, Taking his own like worldview and then like throwing it out against like his perceived world. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not that world is real is very debatable. Sure, but I think that that that's his creative, at least in those early movies, was his creative force, right? And what made it his movies interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Dogma is a great example of that. He's you know he's wrestling with his own religion in that movie, and it's this weird. I mean, mm-hmm. this is gonna be a movie that we eventually do, but um, you know, he it's just this big like clash between like certain ideals and what we should do or what we should think as someone who grows up a certain way and how that meets a whole different perspective right yep um so in that regard i do think there was something relatable in that as someone who was dating someone for like seriously for the first time you do have to wrestle with like oh yeah you had like a boyfriend for like a whole year like a year you had a boyfriend like not very long before we met and it's Mm -hmm. just like this whole you know, you have to start, and especially in a new relationship where you don't feel necessarily, you know, number one, you're young. Number two, you're not confident in, like, the sol- the, s- the solid state of the relationship. Yep. And so all this stuff feels really relevant, right? Yep. So, uh, yes, I think that there's a good message still in Chasing Amy. Yes. But it's just everything else but is a, is is a struggle. It is a struggle, but it was 1997. Right. Okay. Yep. And if I, you know, the sexual culture mm-hmm. in 1997 compared to 2021 is completely different as it yeah. is with, yes, with, for sure. with every generation, right? I don't and I want to be clear. I don't I'm not blaming Kevin Smith no. or even the movie for not working yeah. as well now. I don't think that that's his fault or anybody's fault. I just think that it's it that, that it's just it just is because of the of the time It's a period. symptom of the time. Yeah. And, there, and it's a question we ask ourselves is does it hold up? And Right. And I think there are some other issues with the movie that are yes. that are not great, um, and why it it kind of suffers from maybe losing some of its impact over the years. But let's talk about what we did like. Yeah, no, can... and I think, and that, I think that is a. It's weird to jump ahead to the end of this, yeah, but sorry. I do like that that I, that message is still a good one. Yeah, it's told in a little bit of a crass way. There's a little bit of inherent. Um, I, I don't think intentional. Um, Misogyny, but I mean, this movie's kind of boiling over and all over that in yeah, weird it's places anyway. Bathing in this, this is problematic. Yeah. And, and so it kind of and and you know when you have 
the characters of Jay and Silent Bob come in who are inherently like sexist and yeah. druggies and they're homophobic and I you know listen I I get the joke like they're not meant to be taken as like serious people but like when you, they come into this movie that is like not really steering in that tone it's a weird uh it's a weird cross <laughs> um a little bit but yeah yeah one I of, one of the scenes I did like mm-hmm. um in addition to Rel- that end scene kind of relating with, with our beginning of our relationship is um, there's a scene where they're at the park, which why are adults always hanging out at children's a park? Children's park, yeah, I don't know, anyway, whatever. And Ben Affleck and her are in swings. It's open. Like, you know where they used to like leave the gates open of these places? Yeah. I think that's why. He's like, oh, we can film do. here. <laughs> okay, so two, two things I want to talk about. First mm-hmm. is Ben Affleck wearing a jean jacket while sitting in a swing, and he has his like arms leaning against it. Is the most awkward thing. We have to do a whole little mini discussion on just like the overall look of this movie, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they're having this conversation where the Ben Affleck character is is struggling. Holden McNeil. Holden McNeil. Who reappears in Jan Sampov Strike Back yeah. in one of the best scenes of that movie, in my opinion. Yes. Um, and then he also comes back in Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. It, that is a more like direct, almost sequel, which we can talk about to this movie, actually. But yes, so Holden McNeil, yeah, um, is apparently having the first conversation with a lesbian he's ever had, right? And he's asking all the questions of why and, but that's not the traditional way. And ha- talking about how do you lose your virginity and kind of like, oh, you like the scene. I okay. I like this scene in 1997. Okay, yeah. Because I feel like this was we were just getting the internet in 1997. Yeah, just like like just getting it. Um, and I feel like had I seen this then, and in even in age 18, I think having this conversation, we were we did not have those conversations when we were 16, 17, 18 of like sexuality and defining it. And no. What, and what does it mean to lose your virginity? And it doesn't mean that your hymen's broken because yeah, then I fucking lost my virginity when I was 10 on the on the fucking you know sitting down on a chair. Oh, for a second I thought you were talking about yourself. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're talking about there's there's an actual line in the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's fine if you did. Yeah, when you lose your virginity, what is intercourse? What what counts? Like, I feel like it it was a good opportunity to like think about that because I know, but like now, if you want, if you're a person that just is watching this movie today and that you come across that scene, you're just like, what the fuck? Why are you asking these questions? But okay, are you the dumbest person alive? Let me challenge you. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. Like, do people today? not have those conversations and maybe need to because I feel like there's, I, there's still a, a conservative group in this country that would say like okay, and, I agree with that character and yeah. and who who I are the, still saying those things. I think and I think there there might there might be something there. I think the problem that I have is that even though the TV spot even said like he's a conservative guy. It's like but no he's not. Not really. Like he's just he's he's a Kevin Smith character like it's not yeah, he's in the Kevin Smith world he's not he's in not like, like his deep he's not this deeply religious guy who's like this good I mean that's not the angle right he's an but, adult he's had re- sexual relationships he does dick and fart jokes for his comic book side, like he makes a bunch of he knows all about the dick and fart jokes I, for his comic side, book instead of saying like conservative or politically conservative he's like male conservative Except that he's not, because his whole comic book that he makes is full of sexual and I mean, homophobic comments. I mean, like misogynistic conservative, of yeah. like of like the white male story is yeah. the only story. Well, and, and I that, think that that's that one of the a... thing that is just like awkward now. I mean, that's harder to do these days too. 
Yeah, but that, those characters. No, I agree. I, mean, I work with those characters. I know. So. It's just it's 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 weird as someone who is like watches. I'm just saying, someone who watches a lot. I don't know if there's a lot of people going back and be like, I need to watch Chasing Lane and Amy unless they're like a big cinephile. And if you're a big yeah. cinephile, this is a weird scene to be having to watch. But like, what the fuck? Who is this guy? Why is he asking such stupid ass questions? But again, 1997. I get it. And as a as a teenager, I get it. A teenager, but he's not a teenager. No, but watching it as a teenager, right. I'm like, yeah, okay. No, she's making some really good points, and he's a fucking idiot. And and what are my thoughts and ideas? And I think that that's the kind of the purpose of a movie is to challenge its viewers to ask those questions. So I think the main, you know, and I as a Big Kevin Smith fan when I was younger, I you know, I've have those interviews with, you know, the evening with Kevin Smith. There, you know, these lengthy things. And he's had you know, he's had these questions from the beginning, um, of, you know, dude dates a lesbian, convinces a lesbian to not be a lesbian, right? Um I think that this is it's a weird thing because it, it's an easy thing to to just fix now in that, you know, what I this is where I struggle because I think the movie hinges and counts on um, a very specific definition of her being a lesbian. Like uh, Holden Caulfield won't McNeil Holden Caulfield's a whole different thing. What is uh, happening with you today? Uh, Holden McNeil doesn't go on this arc without assuming that she's a lesbian because specifically his problem is not that she's a lesbian is that she's had sex with men. Mm-hmm. Before, right, and so this is this whole thing about him being like the, the, the alpha. magic and being the magical cop right. that turned the 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 gay straight. And I think that that's an interesting angle because I think there are people, especially at that time, you know, Jason Lee plays a character in here that even says there's a lot. He you know he's playing a homophobic guy. He's like, oh, all this, any lesbian needs is a good dick or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just this this perpetual stereotype that I still think exists today. People still yes. say these things. Yes. But I think where why this movie feels awkward is that it, it doesn't have the language that we have now or understanding of a spectrum of sexuality. Yeah. But it's that's very the problem. Binary. The movie sets up as he like his arc doesn't work unless he thinks it's rigidly binary, mm-hmm. even though like she's not like she's clearly like someone who is probably bisexual prefers women mm-hmm. but has had sexual experiences but th- what i guess what's frustrating about the movie is that like it's very clearly trying to hide the fact that she's like yes had other relations even though like she's like well i never said i didn't or whatever and that's fair but like the character changes like she's very clearly like I'm a lesbian, and then it's like right after we yeah. get this relationship not just, together, not just very clearly, but like crying in the rain and shouting and right, but holding, the, uh, I'm gay. Like, how dare you ask me to change who I am? And that's the correct thing, and that's what you want her to say in that moment, yes. which is great. And you're like, yes, this is a great, that's a great scene. But then it immediately turns on it and, and then, has her go yeah, kiss him. Seven seconds later, she's like. Ah, I mean, I'm, I mean, and it's fine, fine, whatever. That's an issue. But in, in, the, 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 the scene that actually really bothers me is like the pillow talk scene after that, uh, where she just goes into a long speech of like, well, this is why I turned myself away from men in the first place. This, it just kind of starts to explain this spectrum all of a sudden. It just feels very like a, it just feels like Kevin Smith explaining mm-hmm. it. It doesn't feel like a character. It feels very written. Her character shifts so much. And I think that's what's, I think, the, is the ultimate like, issue with the movie it's less that 
I think it would be far better if you had the appropriate language, right? But I, I think what I come down on is I think the movie wants this that rigidness for the arc of the man to work, mm-hmm. right? Like, she just always feels like a secondary character to me. Yeah. Until the ending when she does finally get to, like be the person that, like, changes this whole narrative a little bit, which I appreciate. I mean, I appreciate that ending. It's just that, for me, uh, she never feels... It it just kind of... She always feels like a little bit of a script contrivance. Like, it just kind of changes to what the the narrative needs a little bit. she doesn't feel like a very authentic character. I think that um, we were talking about... Do you think that Joey Lauren Adams gives a good performance in this movie? Who's that? The, The Alyssa. The gap, the li- the, the lady, yeah. Um, I don't know if I like her as an actress, and so it's hard to separate maybe my irritation with just like her voice in general. So she gets it's the rain scene, and then there's a scene later um, where the finger cuff stuff comes up, and she's at the hockey game and yet and has this yelling. I yeah. think that I have a natural aversion to like wispy voices. S- and she has like a Kevin Smith's writing is a voice. very particular kind of thing, and I don't think she's fine until these big scenes. And I then I don't think that she's the right person to try to. And I, I think it, it's it's not really a criticism of her. It's like the combination. It's like this is this where these words are stilted and coming out of you is making it harder. It is a little bit of a mismatch. Yeah, it doesn't really match. Whereas I, what's interesting is that, and this is where I would always land on. I'd say Ben Affleck's a good actor, always has been a good actor. Case in point, uh, Chasing Amy. And what I would say is, like, when he declares his uh, love for her, it's a very big, long rant, but it is convincing, and he actually is pretty good in that speech. And I, it's it's a very wordy, scripty speech when they're in the car before the rain, when he's, like, saying, like, Oh, I think about you all the time. I know this is going to ruin everything, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and he's trying to convince her right before... Okay. It's not even necessarily convincing. He's just, like, de- letting it all out there. I have to tell you how I feel. I know it's going to ruin And I point to that as saying, like, that's Affleck being quite a good actor. Because he, he yeah. for whatever reason, he is able to kind of channel a little bit of that that awkwardness of the Kevin Smith kind of writing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Kevin Smith has always been very good, um, short, like jokes like mm-hmm. written jokes i think he's got excellent timing when it comes to messages and longer things i think there's always a little bit of a struggle in my yep. opinion yeah um i agree so i always point to that but then there's other scenes Ooh, in this where yeah. Affleck is just so uncomfortable on screen one is he okay is he always a mouth breather or is just Holden McNeil a mouth breather? Because, it might be Holden McNeil. Because the mouth breathing makes the acting so bad. It's just like the well, faces he fucking makes. I'm a, I am a, I am an Affleck fan. Yes, as am I. Uh, have, uh, I will defend him as at least, you know, as much as anyone can. Yeah. But I think that he has shown, he's done very good work over the years. Um, he has taken a long time. We talked about this on our Reindeer Games episode, mm-hmm. and I think we also talked about this on our Phantoms episode. <laughs> we love Ben Affleck. Yeah. Um, Sad Affleck has mm-hmm. been a tough thing for Affleck to really uh, <laughs> channel. Like, Sad Affleck's tough. Mm-hmm. And I, no more so than I think in this movie where he is at a club. Quiet Sad Affleck. He's when at a he's club. he's talking and he's expressing himself... Like in that scene where he was sad about, you know, it's not emotions. It's like it's like the the quiet 
He can't act without talking. Quiet. And you're right, you know, because I think that um, Sad Affleck in Armageddon, which is, I mean, a ridiculous movie, but because it's so loud and the camera is moving every second and there's explosions going around, so when he's sad at the end, it it works much better because he's, he's not the only thing, like, you have to fucking worry about. Yes. There's, like, 90 other things going on. Yeah. You're like, all right, I get it. I'm feeling emotional about this because uh, there's fucking 70 things going on. Yeah better right but you're right it's the quiet <laughs> the quiet sadness which by the way i mean in recent years it started with like uh, you know he's went through a lot of personal stuff and i don't i don't mean to make fun of that but no um you know the thing that people point to is like when batman versus superman came out and he's sitting there with henry cavill and they like the person starts going into the reviews or whatever and you can just see on his face and i know there's like that hello darkness uh <laughs> gag video but like you see the sadness and yes. you're just like oh look at that Aww, there's sad affleck. sad affleck and i will say that he made a movie last year called the way back where he's playing a set like it's like he's finally made it like it took yeah. him this many years but man he's excellent at playing a quiet sad dude now but the senior that i'm thinking yeah. about is at the at a bar mm-hmm. where like he's there to meet her she's invited him she's feeling pretty excited he really thinks that this is like it's gonna happen she's tonight. into him he doesn't know that she's gay at this no. point no. so then she's up on stage she's singing a song it looks like she's singing the song to him watching the it's a pretty bad song it's a very bad song <laughs> um but as the Viewer, we know that she's singing to a woman in front of him. Well, we do begin to notice that someone moves kind of so close obvious. to it. Yeah, I mean, and, and I feel like that was staged poorly. Yes. I don't like it. Right. Um. So then she finishes the song and she runs up and then she starts making out with this girl. Well, and from it, that yeah. moment on, it's this face that he. Well, no, because it's actually pretty bad before because he's being goofy. Oh, he's like dancing and, I, and he's like into her. He's basically like I fucking and I think her. It, part of it is the goatee. Like it's just so goofy looking. <laughs> Like he just seems like a goober, like for the first half and hour the of this. Dancing is so bad. He's like, and I think it's a choice, thing. right? It's yeah. a choice. Yeah, but it's. I mean, he's really going for like goober. Oh yeah, he's and he's he's eye fucking her and dance fucking her while so, he, she's. And singing. then yeah, he like puts his hand in his face. It's he really literally bad. like bends over with his yeah, puts his hand. in What his I will face. say is is that the scene is then saved by Jason Lee. Yes. Who like begins to realize what's going on in and the And he's like in the watching club. him and watching the gal. And because he's so like against this whole thing anyway, he's so yeah. delighted in the fact that uh like this is crumbling before him. Yes. And his faces are amazing. So that's a good transition to talk about Jason Lee in the movie. Um I think that he is far and away the best thing about chasing Amy. Yeah, his character is so terrible, but he's, he's a, the not, most not a great like, dude. But yeah. he's like very likable in well, his terribleness, and that's called good acting. He, it's it's Jason Lee because yeah. he's playing a guy who is openly homophobic, mm-hmm. um, openly uh, uncomfortable with a lot of things. Even though it's weird because there's a there's a character that I wish was in more of the movie. Um, their friend at the convention who like pretends to be like a violent uh, militant. Oh yeah. uh, black. Like Black Panther extreme type, but he gay. Yeah, but he's, he's like great. He's openly, you know, gay, and they, you know, they there. There's clearly a friendship between Affleck and Lee and them. Like they know each other or whatever, mm-hmm. and it, it does seem like they do. Um, you know, he Jason Lee. They seem to be like kind of friends, but he's still kind of he makes homophobic comments, and yeah, you, you kind of think like, jokes is it just his, his humor? Like, is this kind of like he knows it's inappropriate? And even then, he is kind of like. He's kind of terrible to Alyssa for a little while, but is somewhat like the, you know, I think one of the notable scenes in this movie is when they're 
trading battle scars, sexual at, battings. At the bar where Ben Affleck is pouting. Oh, he's pouting the whole scene. Pouting like 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 if a seven year old were right. to pout, that's Ben Affleck pouting and then Jason Lee and the gal. But they're are, kinda connecting in yes. like this he he's getting he's having good fun out of like knowing that they are they have the same sexual experiences because they both are dating yes. women. Um but and it, it then the whole thing is just it's oh, why I it, uh, like um, very apparent to, to be the Jaws scene in the uh, in Jaws where uh, he's telling the story of the ship and the sharks and like the the scars between Richard Dreyfus Richard Dreyfus and stuff and so like it's very much that scene it's an homage of that and as someone who loves Jaws obviously I'm okay with that but um but anyway uh, I don't know it's just important to note that it's it's just it's basically there and the whole setup is intended to just be this uh, this Jaws homage but that's okay I'm not mad at it which but is anyway, fun and I liked the story but there stopping. is a little bit of like camaraderie between them weird and so then you're like well is he just kind of like kind of a loud mouth and not is really like that an way is he like an okay dude but then because this relationship starts occurring he the, the gloves his homophobia really comes out and he is much more um, you know "Quote unquote unlikable," but I think because it's Jason Lee and he's kind of the funny character in the movie, it it, it is a little weird because it's just like, oh, this guy's funny, but I'm like, oh, he's not a good, he's not a very nice guy. Yeah, um, he's still very relatable. You still right. get why he's kind of being a dick. It's it's interesting. But he's homophobe. I mean, that's just the thing. But it comes from a, a certain level of ignorance. I I would say. Um, the, the, his comments are coming from ignorance. I don't think he is necessarily hateful so much as he fears it. Um, and that, that becomes apparent in what it's, the movie attempts to do at the end, I suppose. Um, what I was going to say was with Jason Lee, um, oh, I lost my train of thought with him. I had, a, I had a dot that I wanted to put that on top of that comment. Uh, well, his character's interesting because he's an example of a good guy. I mean, they're friends and you get why he's upset with Ben Affleck basically because they've living they've been living together and working together they they For basically years. spend all their time together yes. and i think that's important to know and he feels threatened right and i feel like anyone can relate to that where a friendship is now split a couple up. things that i don't think are that age particularly well that are meant to be jokes he at one point is uh, outside the building staring at like girl high school kids oh, in school girl costumes yeah that was bad uh, okay ha 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 he's a pervert okay and then another part where they're supposed to go to like a convention and he's like, he's brought a bunch of porno magazines and this little kid is walked up to him and he starts showing him these. I was like, that's a felony. You're sh- showing a little kid uh, porno magazines is a felony. Like, this is not funny. Like, this is a weird, that's a weird thing to do, that's bro. That's a weird joke to me. Yeah. So th- there's a lot of that going on. Um, okay. So taking away what you know about Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and the gag at the end of that movie. Is his character, uh, is he, is he, is he gay? Is he upset because he, he has feelings, sexual feelings toward, uh, Ben Affleck's character? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't presume to know that about someone. Okay. So this is why I bring it up because we haven't brought up, so, They've broken up after he uh, finds out about this finger cuff situation, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, I don't know. Use a little imagination, you could probably figure out what that means. Um, it's like a threesome. Pretty much, right? I mean, he gets mad. 
she he inexplicably inexplicably decides to bring this up in the middle of a hockey game with her when they're on a date. Ben Affleck and Joey Lorenz. Most awkward scene ever. And it's weird, and then it leads into another awkward fight, right? And so they break up, and this is when he goes and meets Jay and Silent Bob. He's got to pay them for the likeness rights for their mm-hmm. comic. This is when Kevin Smith as Silent Bob gives this long speech about Amy, about like, I let this wonderful girl go because I was so insecure about my own experiences that I just was mean and I shunned her away and now I just regret it forever. I spent all my life now as chasing Amy. So Aflac, what I do I do appreciate like this turn. I kind of like how it goes. You're like, okay, he's, he's learned a lesson. He's gonna he's gonna crush it now. Right. He's got it. This is gonna be a happy ending. We're gonna figure it out. So ra- rather than doing, you know, the right thing of being like, I'm sorry I was being a, a conservative, uh fuck. homophobic fuck. fuck. Um mm-hmm. you know Nope. <laughs> no. He sits him down, and what I love about uh, the scene is that he sits himself down in front of a brick wall in their apartment, mm-hmm. and in front of that brick wall is a fish tank. So that not only it's is he so distracting. not only is he simultaneously hitting a brick wall metaphorically, he's also sinking metaphorically. Yeah, See when what he you did said there? That, I was like, oh shit! Like it wasn't one visual cue of that wasn't enough. You needed both of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we call heavy-handed. A little heavy-handed. Um, <laughs> but his plan is is like you know what I got it. Jason Lee, you're so upset that I'm, you know, you, you, you have feelings for me and you're so upset about her. We have to c- clear the animosity from you and her and you have to accept your feelings for me and say with, and then from, so we're going to have a threesome. And for me, it's going to mean I get the experience of having a threesome, which means it's going to put me on the level as you, Joy So be on the same level. Oh, and then he kisses Jason Lee. Oh yeah. He's like, see, you got to deal with it. He, ki- he kiss, he And then he puts him back down him. on the chair. And Jason Lee is silent, right? And... I'm unclear about how, and this is what's kind of great about it, is that he he's planned all this out for what's going to work for him. Yeah. He's even planned it out how it's going to work for Jason Lee, but doesn't really like put in any kind of thought or consideration for what she would think or feel about this. Yeah, at it's, all. It's not rapey at all. To it's, be like, hey, girlfriend, you are definitely going to have a threesome with my best he, friend. He, I mean, he's like, I've been going through this in my head. It's like, like you didn't think one time like what she you, would think about it you didn't go through this you're a dummy it's a huge slut shame because it's just like oh i just assumed that you'd be into it because you've done it before yeah um, so you have no like problem, 10 years ago you have no problem letting this other man fuck you right because you've done it before it's crazy right and uh, it's so, so it is so fun though because you're like what the fuck is he doing it's a big it's a it's an abrupt like it's not what you and i think that's what you know i think the movie got a lot of praise for at the time it was just like well this is not what i thought he was gonna do and you know the the one first surprise then is that jason lee says okay yeah he agrees to it so Mm -hmm. then i'm just like okay does he does that mean he does have these feelings blah 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 um and then she Alyssa says no and then of course jason lee's like oh thank christ oh thank god So I don't know <laughs> that. So we can get to the next thing, but that is your um, evidence that, like, okay, maybe he does have feelings for him in a certain way. He's got to deal with some repressedness. I think that, at the very least, you know, as an adult, as an adult, I think you do eventually. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe there are a lot of people out there that don't. But like, as an adult, I think you at least have to at some point in your life being like okay like where do i stand <laughs> in terms of like this stuff like i like women but like really like do i like this do i like that like you have to like at some point as an adult like really like at least consider these things right i think it's natural to question your sexual identity sure i think that a lot of people 
live in such a repressed they don't. state. And so, they yeah, don't. I think and, that maybe they don't. That's probably true. And if true. they even do for a second, they they're not feel doing themselves so any favor. Shame. Because you'd feel a lot better one way. You know, you just like if you, you just like let through. yourself in your brain. Yeah. And I think that. And if you're someone who's already like into women, and you're just like, I like women, but it's not going to like nothing bad's going to happen if you think like, well, what if I was like, what if I was interested in men? And then you find out like, oh, I guess I'm not. And then that's it. Like there's yeah. nothing, like nothing terrible is going to happen or you are and you're like, oh, well, there you go. Well, that's yeah. fine. I think that's the like, when did you know question? Right. Yeah. That some people might feel like is offensive, but I feel like a couple of my friends who are gay are like, well, I realized that I didn't realize I was gay until I was 22. And I think it's that sexual identity crisis where you're like, okay, I mean, I was sort of like interested in women, but like, am I into Well, women? I think that you no. are, you know, you are who you are, but you, when you realize or when you come to accept that as are two different things, right? Yes, and you open yourself up and you, like, allow yourself to be It's not honest. a decision. I'm not, we're not saying it's a decision. Like, you just, no. it's a real, it's an actual, actualization. Yes, you're like, right. oh, okay, I'm gay. That, okay. So, I yeah. mean, I kind of, so that I'm always a little bit curious about that strand about the movie. Now, in a joking fashion, in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, the characters return at the end of the movie as a gag it's him, Jason Lee who's in a little bit of another any place two characters in the movie which is not confusing at all for people who don't understand the universe or whatever the view is skewed universe but he's with the guy who I can't remember his name the the other comic book the black comic book writer mm-hmm. guy and then they're they're walking out and he's just like he makes some kind of gay joke and then the gag is is like I, the other guy's like I don't I don't hear you complaining nightly mm-hmm. to suggest that they're in a relationship yeah so that would be the uh Thing. There's also that scene earlier in that where Will Ferrell is sitting next to him and Jason Lee's character goes, uh, con- regardless of what you might have heard, I do not kiss guys. Um, and then, I, I mean, that's not serious because then, like, not even the movie can give you, deliver a clean cut of this because Will Ferrell's like, uh, that's okay. Play a cool hot shot. And in the movie, <laughs> Jason Lee breaks. And I've seen the DVD. Like, he never got through... He never got through not laughing at that. So it's just in the movie. I, which is I, great. I but. think that's an experience a lot of actors have with Will but, Ferrell. But, see, you can't you can't make a distinction on the character from that. Because it's, it's a gag. It's a goof, right? Um, Here's the thing. You don't you don't have to. Okay. So now we get into the Joy Lauren Adams character. And I will say, I do appreciate, like, as clunky as this is, as clunky as this declaration is, this brick wall, this uh, water in the TV fish tank thing, like, what she says here is pretty much exactly how this has to go. And it's interesting. And I think, again, back in 1997, thinking about a proposed threesome from what she says is very thoughtful. And how and how she reacts? Okay, and she's like, "You haven't thought this through. What if?" And she goes through all the what if scenarios. And I like that. I do have a quibble about like this. Before she, you know, she makes a point of being like, "I love you. You are my person. This was going to be amazing because this is my person." I I almost feel like the movie doesn't earn that because I never got a sense in the movie, especially this time, that this guy is especially great yeah i didn't he doesn't like really provide any he doesn't provide anything for her not not really like we always the only scenes we see them together is her explaining why she you know well, is okay with this well there's like the montage of them in their little honeymoon phase of that's falling I, that's for bullshit other. though but that's the, just hollywood any, shit and it's also any new relationship right right where you're it's exciting and you're falling for each other because the only thing that this the guy, one the, really it's you get 10 minutes in the beginning of the movie where they're like they're kind of like have a lot of chemistry throwing darts and talking about 
characters that are mentioned in Clerks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, that's what they share in there from a same place, right? I Because it moves into this, like, I'm going to sit down on the playground and ask you questions about, like, what sex means to someone who's not straight. We lose sense of whether this guy's, like, a not only, like, a good dude, but a good dude for her. Mm-hmm. Like, a good relationship. Yeah, fit. once... No, so I kind of don't like, again, this movie is just, like, completely, like setting aside, like, an actual perspective on why she would be dating him in the first yeah, place. Yeah, because really what it sets up is that they're really good friends. Yeah. And they're really, really good friends, but then it gets into this relationship, and then it Correct. just goes to shit from there, and you're right, it doesn't earn it. Their friendship earned a lot. Yeah, they for sure. They were really good friends, and then the relationship, they're not good Which is weird, other. because I, in the beginning of the movie, and maybe it's just because you know where it's going this mm-hmm. time, it, it doesn't seem sexual. It doesn't seem like they are sexual there's sexual chemistry it's friendship chemistry i would say i mean she does give him like like that's her character though sexy eyes a little bit but that she's you know she's very open people do when they're really interested in a new in a new relationship a new friendship right so i mean what this culminates with is that you know eventually she says these nice things to him tells him why she's not doing it and then slaps him really hard and says i'm not your fucking whore which Mm -hmm. is the correct and only response to this proposed scenario when you are this person but Especially I, though, I mean, because I mean, really think about what he's like. What he's, he's done he's here is terrible. He's proposing like some just some rapey stuff, and just assuming that like, oh, because you've done stuff, like you're okay with yeah, just doing you're just it again, a dirty which slut. is just you know, it's very it's horrible. And I would say that that's a dated attitude, but I guess maybe it isn't because there's a lot of people it out there isn't. that really still like to shame sexual history of women versus sexual history of men. It's always measured yes. in a different way. And I think this movie brings value to that. There is. And I think there is value to that. I would totally say that. Um, what I liked what she talked about was like, you haven't thought about this. Like, what if I like the Jason Lee character more? What so, if I like his cock better? What if I enjoy? What if I kind of see a thing there and I start falling for him and then you start suspecting us every time we're together? Ooh. What should have been a good pairing that I didn't realize until after we watched it is that HBO Max just bought a good documentary about it's called There's No I in Threesome. And it is about there's a twist to it, um, which I won't get into, but it is very much about like a couple who decides to open up their relationship. And hmm, let's just say that like some Chasing Amy type uh, topics arise like this. This scenario yes. becomes much more complicated than they thought. Yes. Okay. Yep. And so it, it's interesting that that came out in 2021, and it's kind of largely, uh, you know, addressing a similar topic. I think that the problem with the movie, of course, is that it just the gender and the sexual identity politics is is outdated. Um, yeah. Yeah. What I would ask is, would this m- movie be better if she were straight <sighs> from the beginning? I think. Well, I think yes, because. It it only uses her sexuality as this linchpin to delay the her sexual history to him, and to have and that's edgy why conversation, and that's why I have it. That's the part that I think just doesn't work in twenty twenty one. Is that it just seems like an obvious thing, like it doesn't, and like you're just tool. using it as a tool to move the male character along, and it's disregarding any function. It's it's all function. She doesn't ever feel like a real character to me. Well, because and- it's only being utilized for him, and it's being utilized. To be edgy. Oh, look at us having this conversation right. about lesbian sex. Ooh, let's have this conversation at the bar about eating women out. Like, it's it's just used as, like, a mechanism to be like, we're talking about lesbian sex, and that's edgy and cool for 1997. I think the 2021 version could have her 
Well, no, because like his issue is that he's, which is so weird. His issue is not that she's been with women. It's not the that, issue she's that she's banged with hundreds men. of women. No, I mean, yeah. not even that she's banged hundreds, but he's, he, he said like, he I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. He just feels like he's got the alpha cock, which the is so weird. Cock. It's the just a weird cock that turned her straight. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm just not a, not an alpha type person to understand that maybe this is a relevant thing nowadays. And I'm sure there is. I mean, I know, you know, there's, "Quote unquote toxic masculinity all over the place," but to me, it just seems like such a weird concept to address. You know what, though, it's funny. Uh, this was just jogging a memory of mine mm-hmm. um, in watching Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. That there's a scene where the pros- there's some prostitutes who are teaching another prostitute, and one of the messages is like, "Slow it down," and you want him to feel like this is. Um, Basically, not your first time, but basically, like, the first time you've ever experienced a cock like his. Oh, but, like, yeah. men like to feel like their cock is reaching places that nobody has ever gotten to before. You, ha- you know, and it, it, that's what this character needed. He wanted on the magic cock. And, I th- again, I think that there is an interesting story about, like, experience and comparing yourself to past relationships, and that is all very relevant for someone who is young and naive and, and immature about these things and haven't lived, right? Yeah. Uh, muddling it with, like, these uh, terms and, so and making shit. it about, like, you know, it's okay that you're a lesbian. That's fine. It's just if you had another dude. That's what I can't get or around. Or two dudes at once. And, and then on top Ew. of it, having a character like Jason Lee, again, I think is giving a great performance. But, like, having that character being there basically to just be a, a, a gay hater and then to have uncomfortable feelings about it. So you have these weird uh, things happening. And he was the one who told the Ben Affleck character about her history. Yeah. So he, like, outed her, which wasn't cool. No, I mean, he, you, like, no, he, listen, when I say that he's, I think he's, he's the most enjoyable part of the movie because he's yeah. giving the best performance, but he's not, like, not a good person, but, yeah, um, I, I think I kept saying, like, I'm conflicted, like, I really like him. Because it's Jason but, Lee, and yes. Jason Lee, and what's weird is that, you know, whatever, Jason Lee's been through his own process, but essentially when he went and did Jay and Silent Bob reboot, he, he only did it as a favor, he doesn't, he's not acting anymore, yeah. he moved out of Hollywood, I mean, yep. he's done, he just can't stand this shit anymore. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because I've always found Jason Lee to be pretty good in pretty much everything that yeah, he was in. Yeah, he's got a really good energy. Um, you know, he did My Name's Earl, and then you know he had some bad luck of stuff. He made Alvin and the Chipmunks, and hopefully got some good money from those. But you know, probably wasn't a great experience. Yeah. Um. So then, yeah, what I find it extra, extra interesting about this, while Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back comes out just a couple years later, and is is. It's odd to me. I find that the <laughs> Jane Silent Bob Strike Back to me is the Kevin Smith movie that like holds up the most. Yeah. Even though it is like full of homophobia and but I think that like it's not a I don't think Kevin Smith is a, a homophobe at all. I don't think this movie tells me anything about that either. I not at all. I think he understands that these characters are homophobic and Jay and Silent Bob are these guys that make these jokes. And while we wouldn't tell these jokes now, like the humor of it and the spirit of it and like what they represent to the characters and the world is not uh, a hateful act, I would say. No. And we have people in our lives that grew up in the 80s and 90s who have stunted in that and haven't come right. to terms with the progress and of So when else. I say that it holds up, it's not necessarily like the jokes that we wouldn't tell in a 2020 movie necessarily. It's like the energy. It's mm-hmm. the way the jokes are told. It's the... it. I think he, he, he never... 
for whatever reason, like, I know he probably had the biggest budget he ever had on Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and there's a bunch of awkward beer max jokes about that and on top of it, but, uh, for whatever reason, he was able to kind of channel whatever comedic world that he wanted, and some of it's really stupid, and some of it's really kind of funny, and, and there's all these random celebrities popping up, and Mark Hamill is here as a guy named Cockknocker. <laughs> like, it's just, and, and it's Jay, Jason Mewes, giving, you know, like he's grade A good in that movie. Like he's deliver he, every line he's just nailing, right? Like that's the why that movie uh holds up. And it's because I have an affinity toward it, right? Like I think that I loved it when I loved it when I watched it and it's still that thing, right? So fast forward now. I don't know what's go- I I don't want to go into Kevin Smith's filmography of late cuz it's just it's not for me. It's not been movies that I've I've enjoyed. Uh, for whatever reason, he doesn't have as much budget. He's in a different part of his life. He's making movie for other making movies for other people that he's not in the same position. Fine. So he makes Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And what's notable about it is at the end of the movie, it is a sort of sequel to Chasing Amy because uh, at the end of that movie, Jay and Bob are go to another Comic Con to stop the movie from getting made or whatever, and they run into Holden McNeil, who now has a daughter. Mm-hmm. And that daughter's mom is Alyssa, who is they're not together. They're just very good friends. He was the surrogate to provide the the sperm, and she's married to a woman. Mm-hmm. And they're you know co-parenting, and they're you know they have their friends, and they're co-parenting. Um, and that is the the coda to that. So I I find that interesting. I think that that particular plot line is correct because I do think like you said that they have a good friendship yeah like mm-hmm. it makes sense that they would um and what i was going to say like in jay and silent bob's Rebecca, his appearance in that is mostly a goof and he's he yeah. just gets a fun affleck moment right it's not really about the character but in in the new one it, it is like what you would hope that these characters because the end of the movie they you know he, he goes over to the booth they have not spoken he has not spoken to jason lee either they clearly just moved on with their, their lives and he, I mean, he writes this, he writes the Chasing Amy comic. Again, and dude, wait, can you not write a comic that you have to, like, pay, like, you probably had to pay Silent Bob for this, too. You had to, like, yeah. use the name you of it. You keep ripping shit can off Can you do people? anything without Silent Bob? Do you Bob? have any original content <laughs> in your mind? And is, like, stealing Alyssa's, like, sexual history for his comic, yeah. too. And he's, like, gives it to her, and it's, like, the la- you see the last pen, and it was, like, I'm sorry, wherever you are, it's so cheesy. But it, it's just, like... It's, like, it, sad ass looking comic book If you form. got that, you're just, like, wait, the fuck, you try- you're profiting off this motherfucking thing now? Like, like, you better be giving her some kickbacks off this shit. It just seems weird. It's but stupid. the ending of Jay and Silent Bob Reboot at least gives you, um, what I think would be the, you know, they would be really good friends, maybe, and they wouldn't have a sexual relationship, and you could see them being, like sharing a value of how of of to raising a kid or whatever i think again what boat poot you know pooches that booches it boots it boots jesus it, boots you it. cannot talk Pooches? tonight I'm having a stroke probably got the ear ringing um <laughs> what fucks it up is it's not it, it's 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 secondary like ben aff like he didn't even invite like they they had not talked for a while and then like he wasn't even going to ask him to do the movie and then like matt damon or some i don't know i'm not gonna make you're jumping story. around so much it's so hard to follow what you're talking about which movie are you talking about J- reboot the new okay. one the, the quote-unquote sequel to chasing amy okay and why like it it is a nice gesture to have the characters there it doesn't feel satisfying because okay he 
Affleck wasn't going to do them. It wasn't even going to do. Them. He didn't even ask him. And then right. because they hadn't talked for years, and then Matt Damon came on or whatever, and someone they, people kept telling him, you should call Ben, text him, ask him to do it. He would want to do it. And sure enough, he did. So then he wrote like in the middle of production, wrote this scene. And number one, it's supposed to be this climax for Jay being a father, in that arc. And it's also this arc of Ben Affleck reconciling with Kevin Smith. And then, like, third tier is like, oh, yeah, this is the Chasing Amy characters. And so it just feels like it's Ben Affleck talking about, like, why parenting is great and why that matters and why Jay should do this. And, I mean, it serves a a slight function for the current movie, right? It's not meant to be a Chasing Amy sequence. I'm just saying, like, a nice gesture that is, like, maybe the fourth priority on Kevin Smith's mind when he writes it. So it's like, eh, all right. Is it needed? No. No. I like seeing Affleck. I think Affleck is uniquely uh, capable of handling this weird messagey dialogue of Kevin Smith. Yeah. He can deliver the jokes. I've always thought that. And I think since he's in that first Jay and Silent Bob, it makes sense. See? I wasn't with a hooker today. <laughs> ha ha. Ha ha. Ah, bullshit. I wasn't with a hooker today. Ha ha. Anyway. So if you want to see more Chasing Amy, you can watch that Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie. Although I wouldn't recommend it. No. <laughs> I'd recommend the first one. Yes. <laughs> and, just, and then just watch that scene and then so, call it good. Fun fact, we watched Chasing Amy and then HBO Max has Jay and Silent Bob strike back on there. And I was like, we'll just watch the, we'll just, we'll fast yeah. forward. You, and then you. we, which I did, it was like 20 minutes in. You. And then... It, I was like, well, I just keep playing it. You're like, well, I'll just skip two minutes and we'll watch the next scene. And then we'll, I'll skip two more minutes. And then you watch the rest of the movie. Now, to be fair, I did the, the laser stealing of the jewel. And like I did skip over a lot of that. Then I went right straight to Hollywood which, for Tracy Morgan to show up and be like, yes. I don't know what the fuck you just said, little kid. But you're special. But you're special. Yeah. There's just funny stuff in that movie. Sorry. Okay. So Chasing Amy, I think worth a revisit yeah. For just like, just like, just for curiosity's I'm s- sake. I'm so conflicted. It, I don't, like, I, again, I don't think it works in 2021. It does have some good messages. Yeah. It's got some problems that are not really about the, the message. You, you know what, though? I wasn't bored by this movie. No. Or completely irritated or made uncomfortable. Um, it was interesting. And it's a fun, it's a fun thought exercise on, you know. I would be up. interested to see another. I mean, there are versions of this that I'm sure... It would just be... You know what would be... They should do a remake where it was written by a woman and it was about her. And, like, what that would be. And, like, and and like use the proper, like, correct terminology now. Don't ever... Like, don't... She's not a... Don't say that... Don't hide the fact that she's been with men. That's ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous plot thing. Agreed. So. But, yeah, I don't know. Very... Interesting. It was an interesting exercise. I liked it. It's the very definition of, uh, this is what I, when I think about what, what we want yeah. to do with this show. Yep. This is what it is. And even though I feel like we've accomplished, we've not solved it. <laughs> well, I think in conclusion, yeah. it had merit yeah. and value and yeah. some good stuff and some problematic stuff. And, and I, yeah. It doesn't hold up to today's sexual understanding. And I want to be, people. and I think it's important to say, like, I don't blame. I don't even blame Kevin Smith or the filmmakers for it being outdated. Not really. Not the outdated part. I do blame him for some character development flaws. Yeah, right. I, but and I don't. I, I don't think it's an. Again, I don't. I don't find this. He's not a person that is is hateful. No. And that and, and it's coming from sincerity, which and is the important. edgy conversations were relevant at the time. And it's coming from a place of a sincerity. I don't think it's coming from this like place of being 
uh, wrong or hateful or no. trying to prove a point or trying to prove a, a certain agenda, yeah. I guess. All right, so go check out Chasing Amy or not. Well, it's up to you. <laughs> and uh, that's all I have to say. We did. We uh, are done. Are you done? Yeah. That was the worst wrap-up I could do. Let's try again. <laughs> that was Chasing Amy from 1997. It is available to watch on Tyler's DVD. Oh, you can get my DVD if you want. <laughs> or uh, it's on HBO Max right now. Or it's on HBO Max. So is Clerks and uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And... Yeah, so you could just have yourself a good good Kevin Smith uh, revisit if we you will, like. We will do another Kevin Smith movie. It will probably be Dogma. It's another movie that I don't know how we're going to do or how we're going to talk about. But we will kick that down the road a year. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or Let's not. do it. Let's do it right now. Uh, we'll give a little Kevin Smith break, maybe. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. And we will talk at you another movie.